Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... We also need to remember, and I think this is really key to regional communities, is that most of the businesses in regions are small. So those businesses are just trying to survive and quite often they're doing really great stuff to support their community. Mm. But they don't want to call it ESG and they don't want the accreditation that goes along with it because they're too busy trying to make ends meet so that they can keep the business running. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 448 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Kerry Grace. Impact facilitator Kerry Grace is a thought leader and speaker who has spent most of her life living in regional Australia. Carrie applies her skills in leadership, community and economic development, and community engagement to amplify the strengths of regional communities. Carrie's been working in the social impact space since the year 2000, when she started delivering work for the Dole programs in the Illawarra. While there wasn't a language for social impact in those days, her work has revolved around capacity development in regional communities. In her role as the Director of Regional Development for Regional Development Australia in the Mid-North Coast and Norfolk Island between 2016 to 23, Kerry undertook dozens of social and economic impact programs, including the development of a workforce app designed to make job finding easier for long-term unemployed people and small employers. In 2023, Kerry created Regional Social Impact Conference, Social Impact in the Regions, the conference will run for the following decade. So on today's podcast, we'll dig a little bit into Kerry's insights and lessons learned from helping communities start, grow, and support social enterprises in regional areas. So Kerry, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Tom. So Kerry, let's kick off with your background and what it was that led to this passion of yours in supporting purpose-driven organizations in regional communities. Interesting to think about my background as in my work background started in the corporate sector. But when I think about what drove me to work with purpose-driven entities and with communities, it was actually growing up on a farm. So I Mm. grew up on a farm in the mid-north coast of New South Wales in Kempsey. My family was from Barrable, which was a community not too far away. And I always saw immense generosity among farmers. I saw people helping each other out and really enjoyed things like when it was time to pick potatoes and everybody would come together and I'd get to drive the tractor a young kid. Mm. As I grow older, I really see that it's those foundations that have influenced my work. I did work in corporate in my early career, like many kids of the time I got out of the regions as quickly as I could and headed to the city and spent about eight years in Sydney working in different corporate roles and advertising and it never really quite felt right to me but at that time I didn't know what the language was for social impact so it took me a long time to be able to find my place in that area. 
Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it's funny that reference to farm life, right? I think there's just so many lessons from growing up in the country on a farm. Oh, yeah, there really are. And I mean, I'm a bit of a hopeless farmer. I'm good at growing grass. That's about it. I do, <laughs> I do live on five acres and I have alpacas. And even though, um, you know, in a commercial sense, I'm not a farmer, being connected to the land is also something that's really important to me from a well-being point of view. Yeah. Like I love having – I have a very small orchard and being able to share the fruit with people and share herbs or eggs or whatever it is. Yeah, it's really important to me that that happens and, yeah, it teaches me constantly about what generosity and and impact is and how you can have impact on someone's life by doing something really simple like sharing a meal. Such a good point there, Kerry. So let's learn a little bit more then about the work that you're doing at the Evolve Network and how it is that you're supporting the regions and purpose-driven business leaders. As per the name, Evolve Network, it has evolved a lot over the 20 years Mm. since I was founded. So when I was founded back in 2004, I had two small children and then another one two years after that. So I really needed to work out how could I support myself and do what I valued while I had children that were that young. Mm. So there wasn't a language for social enterprise, certainly not where I was at that point. So I really stuck together, sticky tape together, a lot of different contracts which looked like education or consulting or work for adult programs ultimately as I'd been running in the Illawarra. And it was an interesting way to build the business and taught me a lot about the different facets of economic development and community development Mm. and how they can be two such separate silos. So I'm really excited now to see them becoming more blended, particularly through businesses that are identifying their role in social impact as well. But Evolve over the years has evolved, so we've written many strategies for local government. We've done a lot of work with Aboriginal corporations and as the language of social enterprise became more prominent in around about 2010 in the Rudd era, we were able to start supporting the development of social enterprises as well and helping people to access that language and those concepts. Yeah, it's been some great work you've done over the years and wonderful experience that you now bring into your work and, of course, the conferences and and the hubs that you've been talking about. So what are some of these major opportunities then that you've been observing to better support regional communities in tackling some of the social, cultural, environmental issues that are present in many places around the world? I just love being asked that, Tom, because so rarely are we asked what do we really need in the regions. And it's really important that practitioners understand that social impact is different in regional communities and not only because of the obvious, the tyranny of distance and the often lacking connectivity. Even where I live, I can't run a Zoom sometimes because the internet will drop out, which is mm. I mean, it's frustrating, but it also it limits our access to programs. If they're only delivered online, it's really hard to connect and it can be really difficult to get the context when we may not even have a language for social enterprise still in regional communities. So there's a lot of many social impact practitioners that I know who have been doing this for years in regional communities but would never consider themselves to be a social entrepreneur or an impact practitioner their language and their thinking is that they're just doing good things in their community and often also working in the not-for-profit sector. So also I think important to know that in a lot of the regional communities that I live and work in, if people are doing impact work, it's more likely that they are part of that traditional not-for-profit sector and 
may not only have um, limited access to education and training, but also limited access to resources. So getting somewhere or even bringing somebody in to be able to help with that education can be quite difficult. Mm. And then if you look at the, I guess, the typology of issues that people might be trying to address, whether it's domestic violence or housing or worker shortages or whatever it is, those there's a lot of similarities in those issues across mm. regions, but understanding that place and the intricacies of place will very much inform how the approach is taken. Yeah, absolutely. And you referenced that even social enterprise in the regions isn't necessarily being used in terms of that language, so to speak. Like people might just be operating local businesses, they might be framing it or calling it different things, as we saw at the start of the 2000s when you started, without that sort of language around social enterprise, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And look, I witnessed a lot of those projects during the Kevin Rudd era that were funded that had enormous potential and hope for the communities. And unfortunately, I also saw a lot of them fail because the entities operating them didn't understand that the relationship between running a business and running a social enterprise. And that has made, in some circles, social enterprise a dirty word. So we also had that to overcome, Mm. even though it's such a long time ago now. There are still steps that need to be taken to enable people to be able to, A, understand what social enterprise is, but B, also trust it. Yeah, great point. So when we talk about a range of certifications existing, and in many ways, different silos operating in this business for good space. So, for example, the social enterprise silo, we could call it, and putting that up against different terminologies or or languages like profit for purpose or impact-driven, purpose-driven, impact enterprises, even B Corps, and then moving into that corporate space, the languages from sort of, you know, ESG to shared value to CSR and that sort of stuff. This approach and these different silos that are operating, I think, could potentially be a barrier to help us really mainstream this business for good movement. So I'm wondering your reflections on that, Kerry, and where you see any key opportunities to really help grow this purpose-driven business movement and what it is that we need to do to take it mainstream. Yeah, I mean, there's so many threads of that conversation I could pull out, Tom, and the first is we need to keep it really simple and it's not because regional people are slow or stupid, it's just because we don't have an incubator or an accelerator or anywhere that we can go and chat about this regularly. So the language moves at such a rapid pace yeah. that it's hard for people to keep up with it. We also need to remember, and I think this is really key to regional communities, is that most of the businesses in regions are small. So those businesses are just trying to survive and quite often they're doing really great stuff to support their community. Mm. But they don't want to call it ESG and they don't want the accreditation that goes along with it because they're too busy trying to make ends meet so that they can keep the business running. So the numbers around that are really important. So in my region, the mid-north coast of New South Wales, 60% of businesses don't employ anybody, so they're just tiny little businesses. And there's only 14 that employ over 200 people. Wow. So with that context in mind, I think if we take it through an opportunity lens, the opportunity is to work out, well, how do these businesses do good and how can that be collectivised Mm -hmm. as opposed to how can we push these people down an accreditation tunnel? Yes. 
completely makes sense. And so I agree, like accreditation and sort of what then become business opportunities for, for different organizations as well is there. What about that, just the pure language of it that you're seeing in the regions? How do people refer to social enterprise out there? Uh, look, just doing good, if even that, because there's a lot of connotations around being a do-gooder, yes. which is not a good thing in regional yeah. community. <laughs> yeah. um, the most common iteration that I see of businesses doing great things is they might have a staff member who has a kid on the local soccer team, so the business will put their name on the back of the jerseys mm. for that. Yeah. So that stuff's really common. The larger businesses can obviously afford more structured grant or funding programs, but still, of course, nothing like a larger multinational or a larger company can afford yes. um, with that ESG investment. Totally. Um, what's coming out of the not-for-profit sector is we do see some champion not-for-profits or incorporated associations coming out of regional communities. And again, because they don't have this ecosystem or the network to support them, it can be really difficult for them to transition between being a traditional not-for-profit seeking grants through to really operating as a bona fide social enterprise. Mm, yeah, totally. So in working alongside many different leaders in the regions, what do you see as some of the most important traits of these impact-led leaders or entrepreneurs? I think real collaboration is a really um, essential and rare trait mm. in these entities. I mean, personally, if I could cease the grant-seeking movement, despite the fact that I teach people how to write grants, I would love to see it cease because it creates a competitive nature yes. among enterprises who are doing good. And then it means that the finite resources that each of them have will not always be collectivised because they're also actually commercial competitors. Yes. So there's, there are real problems in that because it means at the end of the day the people that need it most, they miss out. Yeah. Of all the skills, that's the most important. I guess if you look at a skill in terms of which enterprises do I see being most successful and they're those that can build those partnerships often that are external to their regional community to be able to tell people what's going on and access pathways to funding in that regard. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So it's really all about the collaboration over the competition then. So, I definitely think so. Or collaboration. Yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. So what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across which you really believe are creating some great positive social change? There are so many. There's some really awesome Aboriginal corporations in my area that are doing um, a range of great programs from tourism to a school even. I'm very excited about Social Impact in the Regions 2024, which will be held in Kempsey, and also the partnership that we've recently formed with the University of Southern Queensland to develop an opportunity hub in the community of Kempsey this year. Yeah, that's really, really exciting, and I can't wait to watch you work your magic with that, Kerry, and, and obviously find ways to collaborate and, and support with and across other regional communities as well. So finishing off then, what books or other resources would you recommend to our listeners? I make sure that I keep my listening rather broad so that I can stay inspired in my work and also not get wherever possible stuck in a silo. So I listen to anything from Finding Good with Daniel Wordsworth is something I'm listening to a lot of now. I listen to a lot of podcasts about manifesting and thinking positively about mm. what can happen in the world. 
And then I listened to a lot of biographies as well about how people addressed their challenges. I'm saying listening as opposed to reading because I like to keep my hands busy while I listen to books. Yeah, yeah. I kind of swing between uh, practice and trying to push my mind about new ways to do community development, social impact and politics. ABC is a great resource as well. Mm, Yeah, excellent. There's a great list of recommendations there. So for the listeners, if you jump on through to impactboom.org, Find Kerry's article, and within that, we will put links through to these different projects and resources for you to to click on through to. So, Kerry, it's been a total pleasure talking today. Thank you so much for sharing your such generous insights and time, and we'll look forward to following your journey moving forward. Thanks so much, Tom, and thank you for the amazing collaborative work that you do throughout your communities too. Thanks again, Kerry. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.